episode of Full Bleed. I'm Melissa Trender and this is... Hamish Steele. Uh, yeah, this is our book club episode. So, as we mentioned last week, we have brought with us... Uh, well, no, we have brought with us, but we've actually swapped these comics over the last week and we've both read each other's so that we could talk about it. Yes. Um, but we've brought books that or comics that we would use to help somebody understand us a little bit more about us like the way that we work maybe the kind of art that we aspire to do um or maybe the kind of themes that we want or enjoy exploring in our own work yeah a little uh, peek into our tastes these are both the books i think we would be drawn to on a shelf yeah instinctually and it's really funny how different they are (laughs) (laughs) but they're both i think when we shared our choice with the other there was like a like a of course kind of moment because we have got to know each other's tastes and we both like each other's things but i think that instinctual i'm gonna grab this is different for both of us and it's like you know uh getting the train back from our first first thought bubble like looking at our hall and looking at just how in this sort of comic convention where there are hundreds of books to buy and we've managed to just like buy completely within our own sensibilities (laughs) and it's like I quite like that we've both got really different tastes and like really different um art that we create so I guess it kind of makes sense yeah I'm excited yeah. So yeah, the idea of the book clubs is we'll say what the books are in the last previous episode, put a thing out on social meds, yeah. and um, encourage you to find or somehow read it, but it's not if you necessary. It. Yeah, you might want to instead wait until you hear our opinions about them, because I think in the future I'll be bringing ones I haven't read yet, Yeah, and things like that. So... Shall we get right into it? Yeah, we decided arbitrarily to order them by uh, alphabetical order, so we don't have to decide who goes first every time. (laughs) Yes. So, I am bringing 12 Days by June Kim. Um, I will read the back. (laughs) When Jackie's ex-lover Noah dies, she decides the best and quickest way to get over the love of her life is to hold a personal ritual where, uh, with Noah's ashes. Jackie consumes the ashes in the form of smoothies for 12 days, hoping the pain will subside with her profound reaction to Noah's death. In this, in, uh, in this intense exploration of love's power over tragedy and loss, June Kim crafts a moving tale that delves into the intricacies of family, friendship and love. And I think that says a lot about your tastes. Yeah. Um, so my notes uh, on this uh, are just bullet points of detailed, quiet, sad lesbians. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, a little bit of history about this book. Uh, I read it when I was quite young, when I was just starting out reading a lot of manga. I genuinely cannot remember buying it where i bought it from i've never heard anybody else talk about this book i've never seen this book on bookshelves anywhere else and i think that's kind of part of 
why I love it and why I think it's a good example of the kind of books that I like um, because mm. it's this really short simple slice of life um, comic that balances moments of intense grief and emotion with like domestic mundanity and I love that shit um and I think like you know just th this weird book that I picked up that I picked up and has been in my life you know I've every time I've moved and I've had to make choices about what I take with me and what I leave behind or give to charity shops it's it's always made the cut so mm. there's just something um in me that has always really liked it and um you know one of the things that I was really excited about with this podcast was being able to pick up books like this that have been sort of gathering dust on my bookshelves and like reacquaint myself with um you know what it's like to read them i guess and i think if we weren't doing this podcast you may have one day given this to me to read but i probably wouldn't have read it straight away um i think i'm, I'm very glad i read something like that because again it's not the kind of thing i'd pick up yeah um but so yeah yeah, so I guess uh, an introduction to, uh, I guess, what it looks like. Um, it is uh, a... Uh, so June Kim uh, is a Korean artist um, who... This is the only graphic... Well, I guess describes the graphic novel on the internet at some places, and I feel like that's trying to elevate it. Like, it's a manga, Um call it a manga <laughs> mm. um uh yeah so it's manga um and uh it plots um 12 days um in jackie's life as um she locks herself in her apartment um mourning the loss of her um her roommate who she was having an affair with um her, her lady roommate uh, mm. who she was having an affair with um, and then the who Noah and then Noah's brother um, is sort of Jackie's only window onto the uh, into the world and he sort of brings her food and basically the entirety of the comic takes place in her apartment as they eat together and sort of help each other challenge each other about their relationships with Noah who is dead um and it's like it's weird rereading it like I think I picked up on a lot of stuff that I didn't remember mm. like I think there's a bit in the beginning of the book where the brother says to Jackie that Noah didn't suffer when she died but then at the back of the book there's cutbacks to scenes in the past where um he's in the hospital hospital room with Noah so she didn't die instantly and he like lied to Jackie maybe and like mm. it's just it's interesting yeah what did you think of it I really liked it um I it's interesting with this book club I couldn't not read it through kind of your lens yeah and I, so I was picking up on loads of elements that reminded me of your work. Yeah. Such as non-linear narratives. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's interestingly, like, the art is very detailed, but also very sparse. Yeah. Like, it all just intricately draws someone's hands or some 
food and then the rest of the page will be blank yeah and uh even like the speech bubbles are as scrolled yeah as minimalist it can be yeah whereas all the faces are so like real yeah um and obviously just like the the to me like the theme of it is kind of like the thing i got out of it was the sort of boredom of grief yes and how even the sort of the name of 12 days and that kind of process of like getting further away from the moment and like creating a new normal and like the I don't I don't actually know any like cultural significance about it but from my point of view consuming someone's ashes is unusual yeah but it's I don't know it's got this kind of humdrummy like aspect to it where obviously that's kind of like the most shocking you know aspect of the blurb yeah but you don't i don't feel like you feel it in the book you're just watching someone have smoothies well there's a bit where um i've forgotten the name of the brother i literally can't believe i've done this nick oh my god so there's a bit where nick is talking to jackie as she's swigging something and he's like oh you know what what part are you drinking today and she's like oh it's the toes (laughs) <laughs> and like it, this, you know, it's a jar of ashes. Obviously, yeah. you can't. And it was just sweet and sad. Um, yeah. There was moments early on when I kind of wished it had been a wordless comic. Yes. And I, I stopped feeling it as I went on because there's moments like that which is like that those details are needed. Yeah, I, I had the exact same thought. I was like, there's so much beautiful empty space for there to be like no need for words mm. in the comic that it seems a shame when they do bring it in but then there are interactions that sort of need to have verbal um yeah there needs to be words in it i read this very shortly after we also have a queer film club yeah um and we watched the wedding banquet oh yeah okay yeah and <sighs> spoilers for the wedding banquet oh my god but <laughs> they is a scene, and it's 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 quite common in a lot of like nineties queer films, when the um, not previously necessarily established to be bisexual, but I don't know what I'm trying to like caveat this too much. But basically, the gay character will sleep with the straight character to like I don't know prove something or show to 90s audiences like they're not completely off the market just try harder I don't know there's like there's just trope yeah and there's a bit in this book when in the bathtub yeah and uh, Jackie says to Nick like I want to have a baby with I you I can have your baby and they go in for a kiss and then she's like you smell of vomit you don't <laughs> want to do this anymore <laughs> well because she's been throwing up because she's been um, yeah. you know, living off nothing but ash smoothies basically Mm. yeah that's one of the things um that i that's one of the scenes that i really remember um from reading the first time around was that you know it's it's a it's a book about the relationship between two women except one of the women is dead so this relationship gets picked up by nick instead um and so nick's quite a large part of the book and there is a moment where there is like almost a kiss scene and i remember that being 
quite big and awkward and like I was really worried when I gave it to you because I don't I hadn't read it mm. I gave it to you before I reread it and then I reread it after you I was worried that it wouldn't stand up to like a second read having like grown up a bit but I think it does like it actually yeah. there was a certain um I felt I can't tell if the ending was ambiguous or I was just stupid but the whole comic is actually quite confusing because the art is wonderful but I don't think June Kim can decide whether a character is blonde or not <laughs> or like when you know yes. when there's like a you know a heavy black um background to a panel which makes it impossible for her to put the black in the hair without losing the shape of the head into the background so sometimes people's hair colour will go from white to black to white to black. Mm. And it's very hard when... Because, they, you know, it is, it's a manga. The art is lovely, but they do kind of look similar in the way that manga art and manga faces do look similar. Um, and I find it quite hard to um, pick up who was saying what and where and because then it's dancing back and forward yes. through time as well you've got that added added sort of level of confusion so i found it quite hard to follow as well but i wonder if that's intentional i think i want to think it's intentional because that's what i'd want to do in a comic i'd be yeah. like fuck you you don't get to understand this <laughs> <laughs> but that's how i felt that's how i i felt like um It is just snapshots of some of two people dealing with um, a loss in different moments and memories. And actually, you don't see Noah's face for a a massive long... And I didn't think we ever would. Again, I wondered that could have been an option. But I don't know. Like, it's interesting when you finally do and you get some, like, solid moments of It's a fucking sex scene. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's just a, it, the, my impression of this book it was, is that it's something someone really wanted to make and there was no like nobody telling her to do it or to edit it or anything it's got a bit of um, Tilly Walden-esque yes. feel to it in the kind yeah. of like someone's just given this person some money to, to run with their ideas because it's whatever they come up with is beautiful yeah, there wouldn't be. I can't imagine this being the kind of book you give notes and like story suggestions because, especially with the subject matter, it's someone like if someone's writing a book about grief, it's hard to give someone story notes on like, no, that's not right. This is how grief should yeah. be shown. Yeah. So it felt very much like a real, like a, I don't know anything about Jean Kim, but I feel like this book is telling me about her. Yeah. And like, this is what matters to me. And I think that's really cute. Yeah. Cute, maybe not the right word. But like, I read a lot of comics which are very clearly aiming at an audience and this felt more like a diary comic. Yeah. I think that's something I want to aspire to. I try and sort of, um, you know, advice that I see quite often on the internet is draw for yourself and your the audience will find you kind of thing yeah. i think there's a lot of pressure not to do that because as somebody whose art is their business 
and their pleasure, you've kind of got to balance this, like, fine, I can do this intensely insular, navel-gazy comic that only I'll be interested in. And maybe somebody else will be. I don't know. I don't know where that balance is. I've not found that balance yet. Mm. I don't think. Well. Yeah. I felt like it was a very good choice for helping to understand something about you. Yeah. I think if listeners don't know, um, especially your non uh, Regantia work. Yeah. I think they are, I would con- I would class these both in the same sort of, there's like delicate line art of detail and emptiness and non-linear narratives and hyper-focus on just like conversation of like a few words um, and you end up feeling kind of warm and empty (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) kind of like happy sad (laughs) yeah yeah I think I I, yeah I think I'm I'm done that's my 12 days that's me yeah if you if you have read it yourself or if you've got a copy of it um or if you've read it along with us for book club let us know what you think I'd be really interested yeah to hear so Hamish what did you bring? I brought uh, two comics, actually. <laughs> I cheated a little bit. Um, Fantasy Sports number one and Fantasy Sports number two, The Bandit of Barbell Bay by Sam Bosma. Um, they are from Nobrow Press. Uh, the first, maybe this one you didn't know, mm-hmm. the first one was self-published in black and white. Ooh. As a stapled papery zine, yeah, uh, I think in 2015. Do you have a copy of it? Nope. Okay, but I did. I remember I'd followed him on Tumblr for a while, and I remember seeing pictures of it and thinking that it looks like the best thing ever made. Uh, and then No Brow released it in color, big volume, and now there's three in total out at the moment. Um, and the second one he did with No Brow, and I think. If I had only given you the first one, you would have a different opinion of it as a whole yeah, than if you had read two. Yeah. Um, I'll read the blurb, as we did on the last one. I'll read the of both. We'll see what this is like. Okay, number one. A young explorer and her muscle-bound friend go treasure hunting in a mummy's tomb, but if they want to get rich, they're going to have to abide by the ancient lore of the land and best the mummy in a game of hoops. The question is, can they trust their bandaged adversary to play by the rules? And number twos is, uh, Wiz and Mug are back for another adventure where they'll have to obey the ancient law of the clam and win a game of ultimate volleyball. But can they work together to defeat the super-synchronized amphibious champions? So, as blurbs, <laughs> I, I think they kind of work, but they seem yeah. they aimed quite... <clears throat> I mean, I don't know who this is aimed at, really, because that seems very aimed young. Yeah. And very, like, uh, episode of a TV series. Yeah. And I think the first one, it, it is about a, uh, like, a an apprentice, uh, no, an intern mage called Wiz Kid, and a big muscle-browned warrior called Mean Mug, 
And they do go on little quests and get treasure and defeat enemies in a variety of sports. In a kind of fantasy world. And yeah, that is what it is. But, and I do think the first one's much closer to that, but I think as soon as you read the second one, even in like the first scene, which is kind of a flashback to Wizard's like childhood, uh, the first scene in the second book. Oh, in the second book. I think yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As soon as the second book starts, I feel you are seeing a bigger story. Happen. Yeah, it totally hits you with some like solid world building. Whereas in the first book, it kind of feels like, oh, this is someone who's got like a cool concept, and they're going to run with it for a book. And then the second book, it's like, oh, actually, like there feels like there's a wider universe that they're working yes. into. First book feels like the pilot. Yes, absolutely. Like, oh, look, it's characters. It's funny. I'm sure you'll be great. Yeah. Um, I actually don't, you know, I don't know if Sam intended it to be a series when he did the first one. Um, but, because the first one does feel so self-contained, it doesn't even like hint at like wider things happening really yeah it's just like a really gorgeous world and like the art's lovely yeah um and then the second one it does start well building but it doesn't feel like oh now it's going to be serious it does feel continue that vibe and um we're actually talking about lemony snicket earlier earlier and that's what i loved as a kid and i really loved series where each issue's kind of the same but different. And like, oh, what's the sport this time? What's the setting this time? Yeah. So I like that it still follows this kind of format, but you can see that the characters are getting more um, meaty. And I don't know. I really love it. Yeah. What did you think of them? I really like them. And I'm really glad you gave me the, op- the opportunity to read them because I think I remember you buying issue one and me giving you a bit of a eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, because when I was young and um, not not yet the chilled out, all loving, all accepting human being that I am now, I used to have a little bee in my bonnet about... Uh, I don't even know what I was hung up on. I just... Yeah. You haven't said what it is. No, I know. Because I, I don't want to... It just it just seemed very... Because I saw issue one and it just seemed very gimmicky and vacuous. Mm-hmm. And sort of... Um, I didn't particularly like the art style. Um, and I'm so... Like, I'm so glad I got to read it again. Because, oh my gosh, I was so wrong. You know, it's, it's absolutely stunning. And I'm like, you know surprised at myself that I had that reaction to it the first time round, but you know, like that's that's what it's like to grow as an artist and as a human being, right? Um I think um it's very easy to uh I mean as we go forward in this podcast we're probably gonna realise how there are kind of just like groups of types of art. And it's very easy to like associate certain types of art with certain types of people. Yeah. And I personally, I always liked uh, No Brow, but it felt kind of like a walled garden. Yes. And it di- it was doing what it did very very well, but I felt like the kind of like their kind of big art collections and things like that. Um, they gave off a very 
cool kids vibe. Cool kids vibe, a bit of a, you know, maybe a bit of a boys club. Yeah. And I remember specifically reading this book and feeling like it wasn't like what they usually did. Yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit mainstream in its um, heroes, villains type story, which is not the kind of thing they used to make. And I remember this feeling like, oh, maybe I could maybe one day... Some, work for no round. <laughs> like, I mean, when I say, like, you know, cool kids club, I want to be in the cool kids club in a way because they're cool kids, you know. Um, and I think me kind of telling myself that, oh, they'd never look at my stuff was a way to make me feel better about that. Yeah. Um, but I just remember reading this and just being like, no, this is exactly the kind of thing I want to make. This thing I still aspire to. Yeah. And the reason why when I, I picked it when we um gave us this challenge of like something that uh says something about you, I think about how a few years ago this is like what I aspired to. And then last year, or I think the year before, um I went to ALA no no ALA, sorry, SPX. Yeah. Uh small press expo in um Washington. And Nobrow put me in the hotel room with Sam Bosman uh-huh. as like, oh, you two share that room. And as soon as I um, uh, arrived in in uh, the airport, he sent me a text with like how to get the train to the hotel and like saying, oh, I'll probably be in and out of the hotel, but tell me if you want me to do it. And was really friendly and everything. And it just kind of represents a kind of like... I don't think of it as, like, making it. I think of it as, as soon as you start making comics, you're part of the comics industry. Yeah. And just, like, realising we're all kind of, like, vaguely depressed and secure nerds. Yeah. Sort of demystifying it all. Yeah. And, like, I mean, his art is really, really beautiful. And I don't think I've made it in that sense yet. Um, And there's loads of other, like, secret genius at play in terms of something I really need to work out with my writing is these books have very little plot and so much story yeah and I don't get that balance right so in my writing it's plot 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 and it's like twists and events and information and all this stuff and it will take 200 pages for a character to have anything close to a bit of an arc or to work out what the theme of the book is. Yeah. Whereas these are quite slim and each one, they kind of arrive somewhere and play a game of a sport. And you can, again, these blurbs are really short and that's pretty much what happens. But so much is going on with like just the character's journey. So it takes you 200 pages to tell a story. (laughs) I, I don't think that's true. I think that you're actually quite good. But Sam uses this shorthand of character design and tropes and familiar tropes uh, to get really simple ideas across really quickly. And then he can play with them a little bit. So he's got he's mm. given himself a lot more room. Yeah. I don't know. I just think I, there are times when I read these and I feel really inadequate. <laughs> oh. And there's times when I read these when I think, like, I feel really inspired yeah inspired (laughs) and just like i don't know it it feels really attainable that you can and then like just i want to talk about his art for a little bit because i think sam is possibly possibly best known as um 
a storyboard, a background artist on Steven Universe, and that has infamously beautiful yeah. uh, backgrounds. And this is similar in that the world feels very lived in. No building is just a building. It's telling you so much about yeah. everything that lives inside. Um, and just the colours are so confident. The colours. And, like, I definitely... I, I need to work out, personally, my own colouring. Not to just try and make it look as much like a screenshot from a TV show as possible. Yeah. Which is where I always go. And just, like, in this in these books, I'm just like, okay, this scene's going to be yellow. And all, like, it won't feel like anything's changing colours, but, like, there's so much, like, white yeah. used and so few colours used in scenes. And I don't, I'm, I can't even talk about this intelligent, intelligent. What even are limited colour palettes? I don't know. How can you even use them? What is this magic? And it's just, I mean, I know that he does a lot of printmaking. Okay. So there does come that just knowledge of like lighting and limited like i don't know i just i can't even talk about it without just giving up i mean the way that he layers the colors on the page definitely seems screen screen printy yes yeah um i don't know there's just so much i mean like also the the sports scenes are fight scenes essentially yeah i always pick up these books whenever i'm like struggling um and clearly when you like base a book series around like one big quotation mark fight each one you've got to be someone who like enjoys drawing that um and still i find everything quite clear yeah um i find myself my eyes are going too fast across the panels because i'm just like trying to find out what happens next yeah um i don't know so as somebody that has done a bunch of sort of superhero-esque fight scenes in the in the comics that I've worked on. Um, like, Sam uses space really well um, in a way that I really struggle with, I think, when I was, you know, doing um, Brigantia and the Scarlet Woman stuff that I've worked on previously. Like, it always, when you do fight scenes, it always feels really cramped to me when I try and get it down because you're trying to get, like, multiple actions on a page. And sometimes that really works. Um, but I'm quite envious of the way that Sam just sort of effortlessly encapsulates movement um, in his panels. That's just, oh, chef kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, it looks effortless, but I'm sure he toils away. And I think I just need to put more time into those early stages of, like, thumbnailing and sketching. <laughs> Hamish thumbnailing. <laughs> what? You never thumbnail. I know. I need to put any time into it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just... I, I wish I had... And this is something I'm going to work on in the future. Um, the Dead Endia books are just packed with story. And I'm just trying to tell, like, a full season of a show and, like, a book. Yeah. And I need to realise that any one of those chapters expanded upon could be a good book in its own right. Yeah. You're so ambitious. And I like that's, that's such a good thing. I'm just very much in that teenage, like, and these are my three book series, and that's the spin-off series, and that's the prequel, and this is the world, and blah, blah, blah. Um, right, but you're also an adult who's literally making this book series. I know, but I'm still the one having to draw all these pages. <laughs> you do it to yourself. Yeah. So I'm thinking, like, I don't know, rereading these this week, it really inspires me in the future I want to go smaller which is kind of yeah. interesting because you think going forward you're always going to be bigger and bigger and bigger but like 
I definitely need to take a step back and just do a book about someone drinking someone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, one of the um, highest praises that a tutor of mine at Foundation used to give was um, likening whatever artwork you'd done to a type of pizza. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you'd have uh, a very muddled pizza with a bunch of different elements that didn't work together. And he's like, oh, you know, your pizza's too crowded. You've got to mm. pare it down. And, like, margarita pizza was, like, a really good thing because it's, like, just the elements that you know work together. You've got to, like, edit it down until it works like that. And then I once got the accolade of having created garlic bread <laughs> because I had pared it down so much that it was just dough and garlic <sighs> and it was just the best thing that was like that literally like one of the proudest moments of my art career was like my art tutor being like oh. he just he just walked past gave it a look and just went garlic bread and just <laughs> walked off and I was just like oh my god I've peaked <laughs> So I think maybe that's sort of the kind of thing that you're talking about, like honing it down yeah, to a I wouldn't, small I wouldn't, focus. I wouldn't say these are honed down. Like, there's definitely elements of this which are very indulgent. I can tell, I can tell from these books what Sam likes to draw. Yeah, and it's like crowds of monsters. Yeah, and uh, his character design is brilliant. Like, um, ca- crowd character design. Mm. They all seem like populated, but not busy on the eyes like yes. there's lots of scenes when Wiz is like running through crowds of like frog people yeah and she doesn't get lost yeah um I just I don't know I could just I'm just so in awe of them yeah uh I've just I don't know so I, I'll just say that there's three books out there is a fourth and final one coming yeah. probably this year maybe not um and I would strongly recommend you look for them yeah. well I think I don't think I even I answered what I saw or did I understand you better reading these and I think I did I think there's like a sort of a joy especially in the colour because I think your colour work is interesting like looking at a couple of pages of um uh Dead Endia like the way that you play with neon colours specifically I'm always Mm. like hmm yes I think we come at we're definitely going to do an episode where we just, like, describe our process. Yeah. But I know that at uni there were people who avoided colour at every cost, and people... That's me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was me. But the thing is, I... I... I know I want things to be colourful, like, the way I dress and the kinds of movies I like. Like, colour's really important to me. Yeah. But I need to know clearer what colour's saying about a story because I'm um, I'm often just like as colourful as possible and push everything push 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 um, but I don't know I'm just I'm, I'm I tend to make my protagonist characters so colourful that they kind of dominate any scene they're in and like I was actually having this conversation recently because Barney often wears a Barney is the protagonist one of them of Delendia, and he often wears this like yellow thing, and yellow is quite a hard color to like put in other scenes. Like he's always going to be central. Yeah. And like a smart person would say, "Oh, that because he he brings light to any room he's in." <laughs> and I'm like, "I like yellow." Yeah. And... You was literally the only person I know that can pull off yellow. Oh wow. I've told you that before. I just like it. 
Yeah. I'm wearing pink today. Hamish has got a variety of yellow clothes. Yeah. Some of them stripy, some of them not. I just like to work, look like I work in a construction site all year <laughs> round. It's kind of a good aesthetic. A, a very gay construction site. <laughs> we work hard, we play hard. <laughs> um, should we talk about next episode? Yeah. So next time we're going to have our first interview. Exciting. Exciting, exciting. Um, with talented boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's now his title, the talented boy. Uh, Joe Sparrow. Um, you might know him from his book Homunculus. Yeah. From uh, Short Box, and um, he also did an eyebrow short little. Is that the hunter? The hunter, yeah. Yeah. Very. Um, he does a lot of cool animation and stuff like that. I was just thinking, what if Joe Sparrow is... Because um, The Hunter is uh, sort of a very interesting, grim, dark, very cool um, little book uh, that has my sort of, like, gothic sensibilities and your colour palette, I think. Hmm. Maybe he's a little, an amalgamation of us. He's the fusion. He is the fusion. <laughs> he is a conversation. Um... He's also going to be bringing a book as well to talk yeah. about in his own uh, Help You Understand Me a little bit. Should we say what that is? Yeah. Okay, he'll be bringing um, the Acme Novelty Library number 20 <laughs> from Chris Ware. Um, it's quite a tome. It's really interesting. Mm. Because what, was, what did you say, Hamish, as soon as Joe told you that? Um, I said, oh my god, I hate him and I can't wait. <laughs> I do not hate Chris Ware, um, but I think he might be my no brow. I think he's tied into a lot of things. That's so interesting. I adore Chris Ware. Mm. Um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for him. He's just a sad boy. I think I think because the this particular Acme novelty libraries are hard to get, we'll be having like quite a general conversation about Chris Ware and yeah. the inspiration he has on Joe. Yeah. But that will be next time. So tune in next time. I'm Hamish Steele, at Hamish Steele on Twitter and all the things. I am Melissa Trender, uh, at T-A-R-R-A-G-O-N. Um, <laughs> misspelled Tarragon. <laughs> Follow the podcast at Full Bleed Pod on Twitter and eventually other places probably. Um, Thanks very much. Bye.